0: Hello, inclusion believers, and welcome to the Access Champions podcast. I'm your associate producer, Allie B. Gorey, and I'm here to facilitate this week's journey into the galaxies of access, diversity, and inclusion. Today, we dive back into our throwback series, ACP Rewind. In this series, we'll catch up with the previous guests of the podcast to find out about their latest contributions to the world of access and inclusion. After a brief update, we'll highlight their work as we replay their original episode. Because come on, everybody loves a good throwback. Before we dive into our rewind, I want to chat about just how important it is for all of us to stay connected at this moment in our history. Please reach out and be sure to connect with us on social media. You can follow us at Access Champion on Instagram and Twitter and the Access Champions podcast on Facebook. Feel free to reach out via email, accesschampion at gmail.com, and drop us a line. We're always looking to expand and build our community and network. Also, if you're looking for more Access Champion stories, content, and exclusives, find us on Patreon. For just $1 a month, you can have access to all kinds of bonus content, Access Champion swag, on-air shoutouts, and so much more. You heard me. All it takes is $1 a month. Thanks for considering joining our team of Inclusion Warriors. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash accesschampions. We greatly appreciate your support. Today, you're going to hear a little update from our third guest of the podcast, Sophia Cheyenne. Now, we've had Sophia back many times here on the Access Champions podcast, and we are big fans of her work. Sophia, let us know a little bit about what you've been up to. Take it away.
1: Hi, this is Sophia Cheyenne here with your Access Champion Rewind. I was in episode three of Access Champions podcast, and there's a lot of updates to share, actually, especially in this time of covid pandemic and quarantine, I have not left my house (laughs) since March 13th, 2020, which is 94 days. I have been home for 94 days. And the reason why I have been being very extra careful of staying indoors is because I am pregnant. I am 9 months pregnant and I'm about to have my first baby on July 1st, 2020. So, it has been a very, very important time for me to stay healthy and uh take care of myself. In addition to bringing a new life into the world, which feels like a very important responsibility in this time of civil unrest and a health crisis, um I've also been working very diligently on my own personal uh, projects and aspirations as an artist and as a, what I'm starting to use the term, a liberator. You know, I have been in lots of work that includes inclusion and access in the workplace, in the nonprofit sector, in the arts, and in education. I'm working on anti-bias workshops with I'm working on anti-bias workshops uh, in a consulting capacity. I've been working with a consultant at Penn Creative Strategy for about a year now, and we are developing some really great uh, workshops and work that just you know, is bringing more awareness, inclusion, and access to the nonprofit sector. I'm also knee deep in trying to figure out this online learning thing and as an educator making sure that I am creating accessible content for people with disabilities but also for people in all sorts of walks of life that need the arts even though they can't go out and share it and be at their theater camp this summer or go and participate or rehearse in a play trying to bring that arts to the community, um, especially the dwarfism community. In July 2020, uh, my Dwarf Artist Coalition will be hosting five events. We're doing a musical jam sesh, a poetry night, a visual art online exhibition, And we're also doing a performance called Telephone, which we've been doing for the last three years, which is essentially a creative arts project that has all new works that have been created over the past 12 months, all inspired by each other and new artists. And this year's theme for Telephone is called Living in Oblivion, inspired by Peter Dinklage's monologue in the movie Living in Oblivion, when he is a character in a dream. Uh, he is a dwarf, of course, as I, as am I. And, you know, this is speaking to the idea of people with dwarfism or people of short stature always being put in a place of mythical, fantastical, um, non-realistic dream-like scenes. um, so hopefully this year's theme for telephone will be will prove to share and spread awareness about the fact that a lot of little people are just your average people, you know? And um they are their their doctors, their nurses, their essential workers, their moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and all the things that we all are as human beings. So I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, in this COVID pandemic time, in this nesting s- space of mine where I'm bringing a new person into the world and home, um, un- unfortunately unemployed, but working towards creating the forward movement of the world and the forward action of the world, which will include, which must include inclusion and access, not only for the black community, for your people of color, but also for the disabled community. And um, I'm really excited to see where we move forward and how we move out of this, these very, very trying times. Um. And that's about it. So I've been working on a lot of things. I'm excited to continue to bring the work of inclusion and access into the education system, into the nonprofit sector, and into the arts. Whenever the arts are able to come back, um, hopefully theater and film, TV will, will have a life again. And um, I th- I'm sure that there are lots of creative people creating in this, in these very trying times. And uh, I'm definitely one of them trying to stay creative, trying to stay positive, and trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So thanks for bringing me back. And I can't wait to hear all the rest of the episodes from all the awesome speakers and guests of Access Champions podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Sophia, for coming back and and keeping us updated. We are so excited for everything that's in store for you, and we just cannot wait to keep updated on your journey and this new family life that you're about to have. Now, let's throw it back to your original episode. In this episode, we get to chat about Sophia, about your experience growing up in the arts as a little person about how you became an advocate, and what you're doing in rehearsal rooms to change perceptions. I love this episode, and I can't wait to listen again. Enjoy, everyone.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Access Champions Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Dahlman, for this next adventure into the galaxy of accessibility and inclusion. Uh, this week, we have a tremendous guest, uh, Sophia Cheyenne. Sophia is an actress and an advocate here in New York City, who also happens to be uh, a little person. Uh, Sophia and I met actually a couple of weeks ago um, at a panel put together by Alma NYC and Broadway Dance Center um, called Remove the Fear, Make the Art, um, which was focused on this idea of this barrier that exists um, in the world of collaboration and creating collaborative art with artists with disabilities. Um, you know, the fear of, like, not knowing the proper language, not knowing how, how to communicate with someone that communicates a little bit differently um, or what kind of supports you may need to provide or just, uh, you know, uh, more in an inaccessible space or things like that um so removing that barrier and creating that dialogue um to open some really unique um, and interesting collaborations um it was a super fun panel uh to moderate um last week's guest andrew duff was also on there and another uh, gentleman david harrell who's um, also an actor and advocate here in new york city um was there Um, there's a video of this we'll link to it Um, it was really great and shout out to Alma NYC for following through as they over the last couple weeks have been creating a piece um, with dancers who are deaf um, in addition to their uh, company and opening their doors in that way um, to dancers of all abilities so uh, way to walk the walk Alma. Um, Sophia though is you know, getting back to her we, we just had a, a really great conversation and um one of the things I took away uh from it and without spoiling too much also uh there is an avengers spoiler in there so if you haven't seen the movie uh don't listen to this podcast without having seen the movie um <laughs> uh but w- one of the things that sophia really stuck with and, and, and lived with was this idea of uh, humanity and how um there's this struggle to have people um who are considered you know whatever able-bodied fully abled neurotypical etc to see individuals with differences as just humans you know just see Sophia the actress not see Sophia the little person who's an actress um and and think of it that way um and uh, that was really interesting to me because I think you know that's uh, a beautiful thought and a beautiful ideal um, that we should all strive for right um, we should all be looking for um, the humanity in everyone um, even if we do disagree or um, have differences either physically or you know even politically or things like that you know we need to look for the humanity in everyone um, just a really beautiful thought um, and that kind of creates a segue it's a weird segue in my brain. Um, but uh, to the Chicago Cultural Access Consortium. Um, And the way that segue happened in my head was uh, a gentleman named Evan Hatfield, who actually did the beta episode of this podcast for me. Um, He's the director of audience services at Steppenwolf. um, And he was at a panel here in New York, uh, presented by uh, TDF uh, a little more than a year ago, I guess now. Um, And he said, on the other side of accessibility, is someone's humanity. And that always really, really stuck with me. Um, and always I mean, in the last year has really stuck with me. <laughs> the other hat that Evan wears is uh, as part of the Chicago Cultural Access Consortium. And they're doing something super, super cool a little more than a week away, I guess, on May 16th. There is a special staging at Steppenwolf of the short play Victory by Ike Holter, uh, directed by Molly Brennan. Um, and what makes this special is that um, it will actually be a workshop that demonstrates best and worst practices for presenting audio description touch tours ASL interpretation open captioning and sensory friendly programming uh, that's amazing it's a one-stop shop to learn you know what you should do what you thought you should do but doesn't actually work and what you should absolutely not do um when creating access in all of these different ways um and you know what a great way to learn that without actually doing it incorrectly in your own institution first um so shout out to chicago cultural access consortium you know evan Hatfield, christina gunther um i'm sure erica foster is involved in this in some way um who's also one of my favorite access champions out there, that whole group, including Christina Gunther, just uh, a tremendous team out there doing tremendous work for not just the uh, big guys out there in Chicago, um, but everyone, the storefront theaters, the little guys that are just trying to start uh, making tremendous work. They're helping the community at large become inclusive and accessible in a really educational, collaborative way. Um, So, that uh is something you should check out we'll link to I see there is a sign up sheet we'll we'll link to that as well on the podcast and uh on all the social media um to give that some love um, So yeah, that's all we have uh, in the intro today. Uh, (laughs) Just another quick reminder, give us a follow uh, on Twitter at Access Champion or on Facebook, the Access Champion podcast. We are hoping to be on Spotify sooner rather than later. The process has taken longer than anticipated, but we are currently available on iTunes and SoundCloud. So um, give us a listen. If you dig it, please subscribe. Without further ado, Access Champion, Sophia Cheyenne. go all right right. well thank you Sophia, for joining us today on episode three of the access champions podcast
1: thank you for having me i'm really happy to be here
2: um it was great actually just uh meeting you a couple weeks ago um at alma nyc's panel uh remove the fear make the art um with yourself andrew duff who was on last week's episode and david harrell who uh i'm definitely going to get on here at some point because also great mm-hmm. um and um just hearing about a little bit about your journey then well, it's just super intriguing um and then diving way deep in the internet and seeing all the work that you've done um also just uh, incredibly exciting um
1: thanks so. thank you so much <laughs>
2: um so one of the first things we like to do on this podcast is for every access champion there is an access origin story um so i'd love to hear a little bit about your journey growing up um and how you sort of found the arts and and found your way into not only a maker of art, but an advocate as well.
1: Yeah, great, Um, where do I begin? Um, (laughs) Well, when I was born, um, my parents are average height, which means that they're tall, and um, I'm a little person, I have dwarfism, and and when I was born, I was diagnosed with dwarfism, and as a result of that, I had a wonderful doctor, and he actually recommended that my parents put me in dance when I was a kid. And so, um, when I was about two years old, I started dance class, and I really fell in love with it, and that was um, the start of my passion for performing. Um, I think that dance became this very interesting overlap of expression and healing and, um, you know, kind of just having a place where I could be myself. And also I had way more positive experiences in dance class than I did in like school and other places. So um, the arts was always this like very positive thing in my life. And so, yeah, I mean, really, since two, I haven't not been on the stage uh, for that long. And, um, it really started, you know, opening that for me when, um, when I was, you know, when and when I was a kid, I did dance competitions. I did the whole thing, you know, recitals every year, and my family would come and support. And um, it was just very exciting to me. Love music. I think I've got some pretty good rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so dance was really that first thing for me, and really that opened up into musicals, which um, I saw my first show that really, you know, kind of made me sit back live. At my school when I was about 10 years old, and it was The Wizard of Oz. And what's funny about that is that in The Wizard of Oz, there's munchkins in this show. And when I saw it, I did not. I, I loved the story, you know, I had fun listening to it, but I did not see myself as a munchkin. I saw myself as Dorothy. And it wasn't that like it was the lead, it was just that she was this fun character that I was loving her story and I was listening to it. And so. I saw The Wizard of Oz, and the year after that, I joined the drama club at my school. Um, And that really came into me wanting to apply for high school. And so then I went to high school for performing arts. And there was um, when a lot of uh, things started to change for me, because when I was a kid, it was um, very—it was tough. I was was actually bullied a lot when I was a kid. I went to a Catholic high school for 10 years, so— it was very um different and uh also on a on an ethnicity level like i was really the only hispanic girl in the class as well interesting yeah. yeah and so it was this very funny like a socially awkward thing that i was going through when i was a kid and when i went to high school i went to public high school for performing arts so it was like whoa this is a different world and um it was just it was beyond what i could have ever expected it to be and I really learned my craft there. And you know, the passion just was always there. Like, the passion for performing was always there. And I was encouraged by my parents all the time to continue it. Mm -hmm. So it was very easy for me to always be doing that. Um, But when I auditioned for high school, uh, one of my first auditions was uh, for dance because I applied for dance and acting. Mm -hmm. And um, I did not Get seen. I didn't get to show my choreography that I prepared because when I walked in the room, they were very shocked to see me. And instead of asking me to dance, they asked me to turn to all four corners of the wall and they just looked at my body. So they were like, okay, great, turn right. Okay, turn right, turn right. And then they were like, okay, now walk this way. Now walk that way. Okay, thank you so much. And that was my first audition that i did well <laughs> as um you know how old, maybe 12 13 right about to go into high school and dance is all i knew and dance was where i was so comfortable mm-hmm. and i will also point out that i and on that day i was the only girl that showed up with a leotard and tights and ballet shoes and and my hair back you know
2: mm-hmm. So you and clearly walked in, I'm here, prepared yeah, to dance.
1: Yeah. And I and I knew what to do, and I knew what I was going to do when I went there. But I wasn't even given a shot. And my best friend at the time actually got a call back, and she did really well. And I was super happy for her. But I it was the first time where I was like, I don't understand. I was very confused by it. I didn't mm-hmm. understand why I wouldn't be considered. Um, but it, it, it didn't really hit me, obviously, until later, until I really matured and learned about this industry and how cutthroat it can be and how um, harsh it can be. But that was my first experience, about 12 years old, and it was really intense. So um, I was really upset. I like cried my eyes out for a little while. <laughs> but, uh, it was okay because I auditioned for the next one. I really wanted to get into a school, and to make a long story short, I ended up going to the Professional Performing Arts School here in Manhattan, mm-hmm. which is uh, PPAS for short, is what they call it, and um, and it was amazing, and it was such a great program. I was, at, at that point, I was never really considered different. Everyone was different in that school. Everyone kind of brought their own funky vibe, and, um, and then, you know, that journey led me to college. So as far as, like, performing goes in my life, it's always been there. It's always been, you know, a passion of mine. And I, I never really thought about it as a career until um, I actually did this competition. I was nominated for a competition. It's called the Kennedy Center American—no, yep. <laughs> Let me try that again. It's called the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival— K C A C T F, yeah. um, and anyway, make a long story short. I know I say that a lot. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I did that festival, and um, it was the first time you know where I, I I got all the way to the finals. I went there my first year. I got all the way through. And to this the finals. is
2: for what type of performance?
1: For acting. For acting. Okay. Sorry, I'm I'm shifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because what happened was I went to school for acting after you know mm. from high school and college and all that stuff um and I did this competition and it was I was I got all the way to the finals and I was like wow these strangers actually think I'm pretty good that's that's intense that's a, that that's really cool and so it really kind of threw away all the fear and I was like you know what I just want to do this cuz I love it and people are seem to like it too and And there we are, and so I really, uh, after that, decided to pursue it as a career. But this whole time, my whole life in performance, I never really grappled with the idea of types and stigmas and um, all the obstacles I would come across. Mm -hmm. So that's the long story of the beginning. (laughs) And then how we get to the advocacy is when I was in college, I did a show and I was cast as the lead and it was very controversial that I was the lead because this was, um, a show that was iconic and the character was supposed to look a certain way and I don't look that way. So that was already controversial. And then I asked someone, I forgot exactly who, but I was like, hey, can my friend in a wheelchair come see the show? Because I know that it's in the basement and I'm just not sure. Mm -hmm. And they were like, uh... And they didn't really have an answer for me. And Generally
2: that long pause means no. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and so what ended up happening was, is that my love for performing and my need to advocate collided mm-hmm. in this moment that I I really, at the time, like, I think about it now and my heart's racing because it was such a trying time. It was this big role and, you know, all you want to do in school is just do well and, like, get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was tasked with this obstacle and this advocacy that I had to either take or not take. And so I did take it and I fought because I was like... Well, that's illegal. You, you you can't have a theater space that isn't accessible. So what are you going to do about it? And then it became this back and forth thing. So that was really the moment where my advocacy and my performing collided. And honestly, after that point, I have not been able to unsee the ignorance, the stigma, and all those things um, involved. So... I feel like I answered that question in a really (laughs) weird way.
2: No, but that's, I mean, that's absolutely true. And that's, I think your uh, journey into advocacy is not dissimilar from many folks. It's when that sort of, that curtain is opened, to use the wizard of Oz reference. Uh, when, once that's revealed, you can't unsee the man behind the curtain. You can't unsee that injustice. I, um, I, I feel like I've had that, uh, experience many times over with a variety of different kinds of access where, you, you know, you're not necessarily always thinking about, you know, sub- mobility access if mobility access doesn't influence your day to day. And I just remember walking to a theater here in New York and, and seeing a sign that said, you know, wheelchair users can use the bathroom across the street. And I couldn't unsee that and mm. go, oh, that that's that's classy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. And, you know, it was a theater that had enough money to have an accessible restroom. Um, so yeah, I I I I definitely relate to that. Um so, you know, a, as you've kind of dealt with sort of um not only <laughs> the harsh realities of uh accessibility in that in that situation, but you're also sort of developing the harsh realities of um the performing industry, right? And how mm-hmm. superficial it can be um a lot of the time. Um what you know as you made that transition from because there is that transition from student to professional and and diving into that world what was that like um yeah as you made that leap
1: um so like i said before all my experiences with performing for the most part were super positive all the time i was very encouraged by people um and i loved it you know and when i started to think about myself as an artist in the world i also started to think about who else out there looks like me and i couldn't really find many people and so it really got me thinking you know who's my who's my role model like who is my quote unquote type Mm -hmm. right and actually i was given this assignment to, to, at school to do before I graduated and it was so frustrating because I was like i don't I don't know who else looks like me am i the only one I don't understand like why is it so complicated um but I did realize that there are a lot of men that are little people that are out there acting um it feels like the women out there are, are doing more impersonation stuff and not really like character acting or performance are in that way Mm -hmm. and um so it's been it's been a weird journey because with that knowledge of not having someone that you can kind of like follow their career I feel like I'm the lead or I'm trying to like navigate what this looks like for the first time Mm -hmm. um and what I've come across is, you know, just like anybody in the in the entertainment industry, there's all these types and stigmas that you fit into. So as a little person, it's really tough because most of the time the roles that are like bound, you know, boundful are elf, leprechaun, you know,, um, mystical, kind of creature like, non-human roles or when people have these scripts that have very like out there ideas that are about you know human issues but through a non-human perspective it's like calling a dwarf you know and so at least you know and that's the reality and that's how it feels sometimes
2: well, I, I don't I, I think it. I think that's probably absolutely accurate
1: yeah yeah so um with that knowledge <laughs> it's 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 knowing your worth, I think, and um, like I said before, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of support in my life with my performing. I've had family members that are like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Just like everyone does, but um, for the most part, I've always known it. And it's it's knowing your worth, and it's knowing that when you go in the room, what you're what you're showing is your skill, and 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 your ability to be memorable and um, make, an, make a, an impactful moment, you know, with whatever story you're telling. So I really try to go into every experience, you know, if not knowing the ignorance, not knowing any of that stuff, because I want to trust that the person in the room that I'm auditioning for is on my side. And so I always go in there with that attitude. And I really feel like that's the attitude that works for me. You know, and that's been that's been working for me in my career so far. I go in there and I'm no nonsense. I'm like, look, this is what it is. This is who I am, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give an awesome audition. Are you ready for it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and you kind of just have to go in there with the guts like that and and really take that on. There's been roles where I've tried and been successful at talking with a director and helping them maybe think of a role in a different way you know like mm-hmm. if this if this scene was sort of leaning towards the funny side what if i tell you she's not funny what if i tell you she's sexy or she's you know laid back you know because most of the time with little people it feels like the genre is comedy and it's always this comic relief and i'm all about comedy i mean i love that you know but when is it not the butt of the joke?
2: Yeah, no, I uh, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. I saw a, a thing on TV, and I um, that utilized a little person in, in that way, and mm. I just thought, ah, that you know, when that that doesn't need to be the joke anymore, right? Like, you know, um, be better, be more creative. Was frankly the the thought that I had. I just yeah. feel like it's a tired <laughs> trope at, at this point. I like you know, uh, and. And vice versa. I just this morning um, went and saw the Avengers, uh, which Mr. Dinklage is in. Yes, uh, yes. In a very dramatic turn, uh, and in a a turn of I guess inverted thing, they they've played him as a giant in it. Uh, which I guess I should have said spoiler alert if you haven't seen the Avengers. (laughs) I'm terrible about that. Hopefully all of our listeners have seen the Avengers or just don't care about the Avengers. Uh, But it was, I I saw it and I was like, hey, this is great. This is different. I didn't expect this. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah.
1: I think that, and I think that there are so many creative ways to implement, you know, if you want to talk about size, fine. But there are better and more creative ways and more, in in all honesty, like story driven ways that could be impactful. You know, if you're using someone that's unique, different, small, very tall, whatever you want to go with, you know, um, disabled, you know, people that have different abilities, disabilities, I don't know how I feel about that word. It's like, I love the word, but I don't love the word. Which which word? Disability. Disability. Okay. And and feeling like um, we need a we need a new word, but I don't know. And, and no matter what word you choose, it all kind of sucks because it's sort of saying that it's separate, you know, or different. So um, anyway, that's like a little side
2: <laughs> thought. <laughs> no, I. Uh, if it's so funny. Language is uh, I think a recurring theme um, mm. in this work. Mm-hmm. and um because it's constantly changing right yeah um because we're all searching for that correct that that thing that feels right um and i and i would agree with you i think this this language that feels separate or segregated uh you know it makes me twitch a little bit and you're like oh, it's just it's a little hard on the ear like it doesn't seem correct like mm-hmm. um this idea of inclusion mm-hmm. should include inclusive language right um and I I don't obviously have the answer either. I've often thought that a bunch of advocates just need to sit down with a marketing team, and because uh, that's what they're good at, and you know just Absolutely. go through it. Uh, we were talking about a similar thing um, not too long ago in the world of um, autism-friendly, sensory-friendly, relaxed performances, mm. and those kind of things, and, and looking for that like which what's the language, which mm-hmm. is the non-exclusive, completely inclusive uh language and I was that was my same suggestion I was like let's just get a bunch of occupational therapists in a room with uh some marketing press folks and figure it out um but you know someone has to pay for that <laughs> right um
1: yeah yeah I mean I I, I agree and I, I don't know if it's it's like I hate even saying you know that it has to be correct it's like Everybody, it just seems, in general right now, like a lot of things are on eggshells with how we say things mm-hmm. and, and what we need to say to not offend people, protect people, or feel good about ourselves, too. Um, but I, I think that it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's about humans, you know? It's about being a human being, and I really try, and I feel like I have to try very hard when I do my work, when I perform, when I meet people, to... Tell them and remind them that I'm human, and that reminding can sometimes be very exhausting, you know. But, I mean, I am a very optimistic person, and I really do believe that people will listen, and I and I do believe that people will switch and shift. But you have to give them a chance to do it, you know. So, there's that level of Mm -hmm. uh, advocacy and awareness that's really important. You know when we're talking and as an artist and as a performer we you know have the ability to really I believe change perspective because of exposure you know and um, now more so than ever like 2018 is the year of writing for me I've been writing so much because the last two years, I've been going to meetings and just meeting people in the in the industry that are under the disability umbrella. And everyone's like, "There's no content. There's no content. You know, how are we gonna get cast if we can't be seen or whatever?" And and I'm like, "Well, we need to write. So let's write." So I'm I'm starting to write, and I feel really good about it because it seem it feels right to me too. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see where that journey takes me, but it's it's the journey of um of inclusion for sure, and just full uh you know a, a full heart and a full world of compassion and understanding.
2: Yeah, I mean that's advice that I was actually given very early on is that if you don't see the work that you want, go create it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really uh, it was so simple. I mean, it was said to me when I was like fourteen. Uh, so I couldn't grasp it at that age, but it's something I've gone back to, uh, you know, over time And when you don't see, you know, this podcast is a, a product of that. I was like, I would love uh, an outlet to sit down and listen to some of the folks that, you know, I, or similar to the folks that I've been meeting over the years and, and that are doing great work, but it didn't exist. So I was like, let's yeah. just go do the thing, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which, so that's so great that um, some of you are taking up the mantle and saying, you know what? What I'm looking for, it's not here, so I'm gonna go ahead and create it. Um, and so that, that leads us to, there is a play in development. There is right? a play. <laughs> There's a play. Uh, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Sure, I would love to. So um, the story that I told earlier, which was actually the show where advocacy and art kind of came together for me. in During that show, I got very close with that director, and so that director and myself, um, our co-writers on this piece. Her name's Christy Dodson. And, um, yeah, so we, she really came to me with an idea to write a story for me with a, you know, a female little person in the story. And really, to to jump ahead, we ended up realizing I needed to write it. We both needed to write it together. And now it's been a few years, and we're at the point where we're going to do a public reading of it in front of the little people community, that will be at the Little People of America convention in Orlando this July, which is super exciting. Um, and the story is about a couple that's trying to have a, a child. Um, the couple, each person in, in the couple has dwarfism, different kinds of dwarfism. What You know, it's it's specific about what kind, but it's not really specific, Um and you'd understand that if you saw it, <laughs> but um, you know, at the end of the day, it's also about being a parent, um, you know, living your life and 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 uh, trying, you know, trying to live your life just like anyone else, and um, knowing what love is and, and and how powerful love can be. So, um, so yeah, I'm very excited about it. I'm very passionate about sharing the story because as far as um, the little person community is concerned, it speaks on a lot of issues that our community deals with in a subtle way, in a funny way, I hope, you know, and things like that. So I'm really excited to, to get the feedback on that. And it's still a little baby, you know, learning how to walk. But um, that's it, a hell
2: of a beta test. It's happening. Bringing it to the, to the convention. Thanks. Uh, that's I, I uh, <laughs> that's amazing no and you know um, when you are telling a story about a specific culture and a specific community um, it's so important to involve that community absolutely um, so yeah uh, kudos to you for for taking it there specifically to, to do that first read I think that's amazing
1: thanks yeah I you know it just feels like it's the right time to do it now and um it needs, it needs to get out there now. So the, the the sooner I can get the most feedback and then put it out there. But I'm very excited. And like I said, the the role of writer is new to me, but um, it's exciting.
2: <laughs> and now you have another role within the convention, yeah, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. So I'm the chair of the Dwarf Artist Coalition, which is a subgroup of our organization. And really it's... Um, It's a group for artists to convene. Little People of America, which is LPA for short, so we'll call it LPA. LPA um, has a lot of um, events surrounded by sports Mm -hmm. and athletics, but not much with art. So I've sort of seen that gap there, and my mission is to really, include as many artists, young, old, like anybody in the community that's interested in art, and eventually, you know, have workshops for them, have training, um, and and really create a, a community of networking. But also because of, especially as a performance arti- artist, but any, anybody really, like if you're a person with dwarfism and you're out there in the arts industry, um, there's a lot of obstacles that you're up against, and who else better to talk to about it than your own community? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm really trying to foster that group and that community, and and I'm I'm very excited about it, and it has been growing. Um, so yeah, it's it's all good. I'm very excited about it.
2: And you were telling me uh, a little bit earlier before we started recording um, about a project that you oh, guys, yeah. guys have done this year that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. Okay, so it's, um, we, we're titling the project Looking Back and Looking Ahead. Um, and basically, it's like your childhood game telephone, but instead of a, a message being passed you know, from one person to another, it's actually new art that's being created. So we're starting with a piece that's called Echi Homo which um, was actually created by a man called Bruce Johnson. Um, He passed away a few years back, but he created the Dwarf Artist Coalition. Mm -hmm. And so this is sort of in honor of him. A lot of people have told me so many amazing things about him and um, how he was just such a good advocate. And these are like the role models, like I'm talking about, that I feel like I'm missing in my Mm -hmm. life, you know? So we are using that as our, you know, first inspiration point and... The first person goes and they create a piece. So the first thing um, was a monologue. And then added to that is like a dance piece. And then that dance piece gets passed to the musician. And then the musician creates a song and so on and so forth. And so the, there's new art being created all year. And this July we'll be presenting everything. So it'll be a combination of poetry, dance, um, performance, photo series, music it's gonna be great that's it's gonna be really absolutely fun. absolutely
2: amazing and, uh, yeah. and what a what a great concept of just passing the art and letting the artists uh, interpret the story and then pass it along and yeah uh, you can really uh, i'm excited to uh hopefully hopefully you guys will share some of it yes, out there i will absolutely because uh, uh, i think man to see that kind of journey across uh and all everyone, everyone amazing.
1: lives all over the country, so I, you know, I'm contacting them from all different parts, um, and yeah, and it's it's going to be really amazing because at the end of the day, we have we're going to have about eight or nine new pieces of art that were all created within our community, and we're inspiring each other. And you know, in order for us to have any progress happen, any change happen, our our community needs to be strong. You know, and I I feel like there's There's so many new things happening with our community, which is exciting, and this is one of them, so I'm really excited about it.
2: Do you feel like uh, these type of projects also help um, connect everyone and kind of start building that infrastructure for the support system that you were talking about?
1: Yeah, I do, I really do. I think um, it's a huge source of connection. And in all honesty, what I also hope um, is that this art can foster conversations about things that maybe we are free to talk about, too, within our own community, you know, because there's so many things that we could really use help on that we don't have, that we don't talk about because we are a small community, um, and it's it's just, it's, it's hard. This world is harsh, and there's a lot of ignorance out there, you know? So, for example, just, like, medical concerns, health insurance kind of things, um, having adaptive equipment in general, you know, all this art, whether it speaks on it or not it can foster a conversation about our culture and how we live and hopefully that comes to something else that comes to something else you know so i'm really excited about it
2: yeah i think it's absolutely amazing thanks um (laughs) uh, so that's part of your summer.
0: <laughs> it is part of my it's summer, a, yeah, um, lots what, of things.
2: <laughs> uh, we also just uh, spoke briefly about uh, you have another exciting project coming up uh, in the next month.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, so um, and this is a really good example of of having a a role that um that you feel that I feel like you have to put your own spin on and so i I'm going to Texas for a month and we're gonna do we're doing guys and dolls there. And um, it's really exciting. And, you know, the character I auditioned for, it calls for a very tall, big, intimidating, quote, intimidating with size, end quote, (laughs) character. You know, so here's Sophia. She's coming in. Okay, great. So obviously they're thinking of doing something different. And I'm all for that, you know. Like, I'm, I'm all for the creative bending rules kind of thing um, but it's always for me it's always about making sure that it's legit it's a it's a legit choice that that's meaningful to the story and it's not there to make fun of because
2: yeah, you don't want it to be the punchline
1: yeah exactly yeah. and i know that w- with this particular character with the fact that if people go there and they know the show and they know that this person's supposed to be really big quote right that might be funny to some people and I have to I, I know that that's a fact of this performance but when I go there and I do perform it you know I, I intend on giving it every bit of um, full you know just a fullness in the character that doesn't make it only about the joke that it's about something else too and um, that's really important to me there's been a lot of experiences where I feel like I've had to go in the room and, and you know, try to teach a director how to incorporate someone like me into a story. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's days where you don't want to do that. You don't want to advocate. You don't want to...
2: Yeah, you just want to be Sophia, the actress.
1: I just want to go in there and do the work, you mm-hmm. know? but um, But you have to pick and choose your battles, and you have to know... What's helpful, you know, because also really at the end of the day, when you're talking about difference and you're talking about different experience, people are just so afraid to admit that they don't know or that they um, aren't sure how to navigate the situation. And because of that fear, you have all this weird tension and apologies and overcompensation that's unnecessary energy you Mm -hmm. know so if you go in there as a performer as an advocate and you say this is me this is who I am and this is what I bring to the table you know I think that's a win I think that's a win
2: I would agree um and I think that the the projects that are more collaborative Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. are um Tend to be more open to those kind of conversations, and frankly, I think they're more successful. Yeah. In, in general, um, but so you know, uh, obviously we, we've talked. You know, you've said you've had to have different conversations with directors and things like that. What's um? Can you give me one, or or we can, if you have a lot, we can talk about a lot of uh, good. Like, what were the good experiences that you've had? The really great um, artistic opportunities that have come along.
1: Great. Um, so I have to admit that as you ask that question, I'm like, the list is getting smaller and smaller and (laughs) (laughs) smaller. Um, but it's, you know, and I don't say that for like, oh man, that's, you know, that's sad, but Mm. it really is a reality because I don't, I don't think that there's not one show that I've ever done where I've had, like, I haven't had to do some sort of advocacy or some sort of awareness teaching, right? Um, But when it's received in the positive way that it should be received, um, that's when real change and real progress is happening. So I recently did a show, and it's very interesting because people do these things without knowing them. And, and, And everything that I'm talking about today is so specific to my experience as a little person because that's what I know, you know? But here's a story. So I do a show and it's going great and everyone's super, it's super diverse. I'm like, this is the most diverse thing I've ever been a part of, it's so cool. Um, and, and eventually as I get to my scene and we're doing a song that I'm doing, um, I notice that there's like a hint of circus music in the back of this song that I'm singing. And I don't remember it being in the original score, and it was added in, and it was just a very jarring thing that I, I noticed. Mm-hmm. And it was very weird, and I was like, huh. And so my insecurities start flying at me, and they're like, are they doing the circus thing because you're a little person? Are they trying to say something about freaks? And blah, 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 right? And it's like all this stuff that's coming at me. And... um. I did end up saying something, just mentioning it as as a way of hey, I didn't notice that before. I'm just curious why it's in there. And no one ever admitted anything of what I was thinking, which is fine because it probably wasn't malicious at all. But what ended up happening was it was taken out of the song, you know? And so I I think that like I said, there are there are collaborators that are willing to listen, that are willing to think twice about a choice that might have been funny for a second, but they're like, oh wait, that's a bad idea, you know? And I have to believe that people can learn and um, can evolve, because if I don't believe that, then I am against a wall every day, you know? I'm also a teaching artist, and I do a lot of advocacy in the classroom, Mm -hmm. a lot. I mean, the kids that I teach, are mean and cruel, but I love them. But like <laughs> they that, that
2: is said every parent <laughs> ever and teacher ever. My children, my students are the meanest, they're the worst, but I love them to death. Yeah. That's you know, so funny.
1: I, I do and, and um and I also I work in a very unique case where I sometimes switch from school to school. I'm in short term things and I meet new kids all the time. And advocacy is a big part of that. You know, and um, one one time I, I did a show and someone came up to me afterwards and they were like, because I had hung out with them for another 20 minutes after and they were so grateful that I was talking to them and they were like, you know, you didn't have to talk to me, but you did and that was really nice. And she goes, you know what? You really believe people will listen. She goes, you really believe people will listen to you. And I was like, I do. <laughs> you know, I really do because... I have to, I have to, like that, the more I say it out loud, the more I'm like, that's my survival, you know, is like really believing that there is a a possible shift in someone that can happen. Because the amount of times that I deal with ignorance on a daily basis, when I walk out in the streets of Manhattan and it's either a, a photo being taken of me or a pointing and laughing situation or a name calling situation, I mean, it happens every day, folks. It does, and like I can't, if I'm up against, if I get angry, if I want to lash out on every person, it, ugh, it'd be too much. It would be exhausting, you know? So you kind of just have to live your life with that positivity and that willingness to, to trust that there is there is possible, you know, um, learning that could happen, and I, I really do believe that.
2: Yeah, and I think you're sort of, um, the thing that you mentioned earlier on the podcast and and, uh that you brought up on the panel is this idea of humanity yeah um and uh just that conversion of getting because it is ignorance uh you you spend 10 minutes or 10 seconds with any other human you understand they are human Mm -hmm. um and if it's just lack of exposure that's for the reason that you're not seeing it that way but that idea that of of opening people's eyes to like hey i'm just sophia human actress, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, is, I, I think, uh, important. And it, it's a really grounded idea mm-hmm. um, that I, I think, obviously you've had some success with it, um, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: I think so, and you know, I can't take all the credit because I married an amazing man. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he is a little person as well. Um, but he really helped me, he's helped me a lot process um, this industry, because obviously you go home, you talk it out, right? And I, I I, really learned a lot from how he works, his work ethic, he's in finance, but, you know, how he operates his daily day, he's like, do the work, you know, you do the work, you show up, and people can't ignore that, they can't, you know, and, and that's so true, so um, it's about all those things, and we have to, we have to be willing to trust that people will listen and people will hear and it's yeah yeah
2: great um i i think that's absolutely accurate and i think that that transcends a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you really do have to believe that people will listen and people can change, especially in our current climate, I feel like. Not yeah. to get too political here, but yeah. to say that, you know, you got to have that hope that that there can be a conversation rather than just an argument. Right. Um and,
1: and there and you know, there are so many I mean, there's so many hard experiences I've had because you know, because of being a little person, I've had to have a lot of surgery. I've had to um, be away, you know, from school for a certain amount of time. I've had to bounce from hospital to hospital, and you know, these things—they're um, part of my life. They've definitely impacted who I am, you know. But I—I I cannot, I cannot be angry, you know, at these things. People sometimes ask, you know, oh, if you could be tall for a day, would you? I'm like, yeah, for a day. <laughs> but i don't want to be i i don't see any value in being any taller this is all i know you know yeah. and uh it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's something that's i'm losing from mm-hmm. you know um yeah so i don't know why i said that but no
2: i i, <laughs> I know i think that's uh it's a, you know again another interesting thing i think that is um Something I've heard from many folks um, of d- different sizes, different abilities, you know, yeah. etc. Um, there's no r- the similar to uh, you know I would say the same thing. I I don't I wouldn't change anything about myself. I'd love to be six foot five some mm-hmm. days. There are other days that like absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an AP uh, <laughs> a terminology I learned earlier today um
1: ap means average high person lp means little person fyi
2: i just think lp is one of the greatest acronyms it just (laughs) sounds so og uh but uh yeah i think you know i think the more we can all sit around and just go you know what we're exactly correct Mm -hmm. and uh You know, our journey is our journey, Mm -hmm. and that makes us an amazing contributor to humanity at large. Whether we're an artist, or whether we're in finance, or whether we're in medicine, or whatever we're doing, I think whatever, who we are, we're bringing something to this world. Um, And it's important exactly how we uniquely bring it. Yeah. Um, And I think you've definitely shown that in your art and in your advocacy, that you are bringing something very unique. Um, Obviously, there were advocates before you, but. Uh, you bring such a unique perspective because you, uh, again, you know, as you came up, you didn't have necessarily the female role model within your community in the specific way that you were looking for it. Yeah. Um, and you're filling that role um, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we, uh, I know you're you're semi-active on the film festival circuit. Yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Um, so. Well, I I just recently created um, a short film that's the first time I've produced, you know, shot, directed, written, and acted. So the whole damn thing. <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole kitten caboodle. Um, and it was really fun. It was for the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, which is um, a film challenge that I believe is about a few years old, maybe maybe eight or six years old. I could be wrong on that. But um, what's cool about it is it has been growing as the years have progressed because, like, the first year, it was, like, just a few people making some films because they had a weekend, and that was it. But um, it's really gotten a lot of claim, and uh, I wrote a story about (laughs) a very common experience I have with another little person, female, that lives here in New York, and we always bump into each other at auditions. So... It's like, oh, no, this one's yours. no, this one's yours, you know, <laughs> and it's and we're super supportive of each other. She was a bridesman at my wedding. I mean, she's a very close friend of mine. Um, and and but that that's an experience that's super unique to us, you know. We're the, as far as we know, the only two female LPS in New York City, um, going at it, you know, and and doing the hustle, and uh, we always bump into each other. So it was like, one little blurb of a, a, a moment in that <laughs> in that life, which was really fun. And the film got so many views, and, and uh, hopefully we, uh, we get some award or, or some sort of recognition for it, because it was so much fun.
2: And do. is it available still
1: online? It is. It's available. So if you go on YouTube um, or Facebook and you look up the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, th- my film is entitled You're Up as in you're next or you're up. Um, and yeah, check it out.
2: Yeah, and we'll definitely have the link to that on all the uh, some social media posts with this episode as well. So cool. we'll definitely have thank that there. thank you. Um, so one of the things I like to do um, at the, sort of the as part of this podcast is, um, you know, it's a very, uh, the idea is to shine a light, right? Um, that's my, my goal in general, shine a light on unique stories. Um, unique work being done but i also like to give the guests an opportunity to shine a light on any work that they are seeing that they you know want to give a shout out to Hmm. or um any person that's doing some work that you find incredibly interesting or um powerful or or what have you so is there any person or organization uh that's doing work that you want to give a little love to
1: oh my god that's such a good question um well, at the moment, I have to say that in general, in the, in the industry, it really is feeling like baby steps towards a better, you know, more inclusive um, circle. Um, I was just at the Actors' Equity meeting this past Monday for diversity and inclusive hiring. And um, there's so many amazing things on the forefront of people's minds of what they want things to look like. So I feel like everyone who's in it is doing it, and I'm and I'm happy to be part of that. You know, um, as far as um, personal friends, I mean, I have to give a shout out now to my my girl Sarah Falkins because she's the other little person in that film, and um, she is an amazing, brilliant actress that. You know, her and I are similar and so different, and I think it's so amazing. And the fact that we are both little women around the same age in New York, and we are both working at the same time, doing different things. You know, that means a lot. That means a lot. So that's super exciting. Um, And I'll give another shout-out on my education side uh, with a company I work with called Enact. That's Mm -hmm. E-N-A-C-T you know an act?
2: A little bit, yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: cool. Um, and I, so they do amazing work. They do like drama therapy based work with kids, a lot of at risk youth, you know, dropout prevention kind of stuff. And I really believe in the work and I do it. And I'm, and I'm, I mean, anytime I'm in one of those classes, it, it's always, there's always some sort of impact that's being made on the youth. And at the end of the day, guys, the youth is what it's about, you know, like we need to help our younger generation understand what it means to accept everything and all people and really see the human and everybody and, and not the boxes that we decide to check off, you know?
2: Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Sophia, for uh, coming on the podcast. You are welcome back anytime.
1: Thank you so much. Oh my goodness.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Sophia Cheyenne for joining us again here at the Access Champions podcast. We are so thankful to learn from you, to hear your updates, and to cheer you on every step of your journey. Thank you so much, Sophia. Big thank you as well to our listeners. And if you're tuning in today and you're really curious about how to learn more, if you want to grow your disability knowledge or your inclusion knowledge, feel free to follow us on Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll have access to so much bonus content, interviews, swag, and so much more. Visit us at www.patreon.com slash accesschampions. As always, I have to thank our incredible, fierce team, our executive producer, Matt, phil who this podcast is his brainchild and he works so tirelessly in the fields of access and inclusion and phil your work does not go unnoticed thanks to jay our intern and for your work across social media lines thanks to justin campbell for the art tommy carr for logos eric and austin for our awesome music and of course miss kelsey rose brown for her drawings and illustrations We will be back again soon, friends, and we are going to have some Access Champion podcast rewinds all summer long. So stay tuned for updates and so much more. And as always, inclusion believers, never stop running through that brick wall.